0: What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Seek Life Today podcast. This is your host, Carson Harris, and I'm so glad that you're listening to this week's episode. Today, we're talking about James chapter 4, and this is a really interesting book of the Bible. um, But this is actually a continuation of the little mini Bible study series where we go through the book of James and study it chapter by chapter and verse by verse And so, this is the fourth part of it. It's the fourth chapter. And we're going to be talking about um, several different interesting topics, um, which are actually the sections that the book is broken down to in the New King James Version. So, we're going to be talking about how pride promotes strife, how Um, humility cures worldliness and how we are to not judge a brother and how we're not to boast about tomorrow so these are some things that we're gonna be talking about but before we do so I would like to remind you all that this book is believed to have been written by James the brother of Jesus But I want to let you know that it doesn't matter so much who wrote the book as as much as it matters the teachings within it. The content within this book was completely inspired by God as the whole Bible was. And this shows its trustworthiness because it was inspired by God. Even though we might not know who wrote it, who specifically wrote it, we do know that it was inspired with God, and we do know that this book aligns with all the teachings of Jesus. Uh, Jesus' teachings and the teachings of James, they align very much so, and it just goes to show that this book was inspired by God, and it's completely trustworthy. The author of this book, um, he addressed and wrote this letter to a very large group of people. It was written to the 12 tribes of Israel, and the first verse of the first chapter tells us that they were scattered abroad. And so this letter was written to many people that were all across the globe. This book, especially in the second chapter, emphasizes the importance of a faith that works. Um, The second chapter talks about how faith without works is dead. And so this is a very prominent and consistent theme or idea. This author also shows a lot of concern for the difficulties and the struggles that this letter was written to, like the audience of it. Um, These people, these 12 tribes of Israel that were scattered abroad were going through different types of suffering, some of which were persecution and poverty. And then um, this book really has a consistent theme that living faith is obedience to God's moral standards. So these are like four very common themes and teachings and just things that we see throughout the book. And it's some important kind of background knowledge that we should have as we go into this chapter. So I'm going to go ahead and pray our way into this before we start the reading. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today and thank you for the opportunity to come on here and talk about you and your word. I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I thank you for waking me up and giving me this opportunity. I just thank you for the listeners who are listening. And I just pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will um, incline them to listen, like um, encourage them to listen and just like create this desire within them so they will listen and that you will just teach them and fill them up with your truth, your mercy, and your wisdom. And I just pray that you'll plant a seed within their life if they they don't have a relationship with you. And I just pray that this seed will be... um, Poured into and that it will grow into a relationship with you, Lord. I just pray that today you would teach all of us uh, listeners, including myself, and that we would just learn more about you and that you would teach us who you are and that you would teach us about your teachings. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. So, like I said earlier, this book or this specific chapter is broken down into four specific sections. And so we're going to go ahead and read all of them now. Pride promotes strife. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God? Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Humility cures worldliness. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Do not judge a brother. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Do not boast about tomorrow. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So there's a lot to take in from this book, but let's go back to the first verse and start from the beginning and hit at it verse by verse. So the first verse says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So James lists pride and selfishness as sources of wars and fights. The pursuit of desires are these pleasures that leads to conflict. And this is very much true and we can kind of see this today um, with Putin in Russia and how he is trying to take control over the uh, Ukraine. Um, So He has this desire to take over Ukraine and have this Ukrainian land and these natural resources. And this is like a desire that he he wants to have this. He wants this type of control and power. And this desire has led to all this conflict. And it has caused so much like division, war, deaths, and suffering. And it's just completely awful. And so this is like an extreme example of how pride and selfishness leads to conflict. The Bible notes in my, in my Bible, it's a study Bible, say that while pride and selfishness are na- natural to fallen humanity and often serve as a basis for advancement in worldly rank, Jane names them as sources of wars and fights, physical conflict among members and or factions within the congregation pursuit of the pleasures of life leads to conflicts. And so while like these ple we may have like this desire to have like this type of pleasure or this type of control and to like go up higher in rank, maybe we wanna be like Putin and we wanna have so much power and we wanna be ranked number one or whatever it may be, um, it leads to conflict and it is the sources of wars and fights. Um, that's what it is. Selfishness. Everything that causes like conflict, it tends to be caused from like self-centeredness if that makes sense moving to the second verse it says um you lust and do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight in war yet you do not have because you do not ask and i really like this last part it says um you fight in war yet you do not have because you do not ask and so I think that this is emphasizing an important thought or idea here. So these people were lusting, killing, and fighting, and they still do not have because they are not trusting in God for him to provide for them. They listen to worldly wisdom, which says, do anything regardless of the harm it causes in order to get what you want. And so we have this self-ambition, this self-wisdom, this worldly wisdom, these these selfish desires um, that is just revolving completely around ourselves and this leads us to like try to pursue these desires and pleasures which leads to just so much conflict and in this in this verse it talks about how there's murdering going on there's killing there's lusting and just fighting and then in the last part it says you you do not have because you do not ask so these people want to have this like type of satisfaction. They want to have joy, but they're seeking it in the wrong places. And if they would just ask the Lord for this satisfaction and let him fulfill that and let him be their joy, they would be f- fulfilled and satisfied forever. But no, they don't ask him. They don't go to him. And so they, they go on their own self-ambition and their own self selfish like road to like, find these desires and these pleasures, and they're chasing it, and it just leads to conflict and disaster when all it takes is to ask the Lord, and He will provide, and so part of, like, trusting in the Lord is having this confidence that He will provide for you for all your needs. All you have to do is ask of Him. The third verse says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And so so when they do ask God, they, they're asking with amiss. They're not asking with like the correct intentions. They have these wrong motives. And so he obviously does not give because what they're asking, they're asking for these specific things, but they want to use these um, things in like their own selfish ways instead of asking for things that they might actually need. Maybe they're asking for wealth, like Wealth is not important. We talked about this in the previous um, chapter, but wealth isn't important. You don't have to be the wealthiest person alive to be um, a good person or to like just live a good life as a representation of Christ. Like wealth and money has nothing to do with living in obedience to God. So you maybe this person is just asking for wealth so they can use this wealth for their own personal pursuit and their own personal selfish ambitions. So. Um, Obviously, God isn't going to provide for this because it's sur- surrounded by ourselves. Like if we ask God um, for these things that are that come and root from selfishness, obviously He's not going to a- He's not going to answer those prayers because those intentions are incorrect. So, um, the notes in my Bible say people were actually killing one another to appease their misplaced desires. Their desires weren't un- appeased unpeased by because they were asking amiss that is with wrong motives the source of conflict was selfish desire and envy run amok so like these people were just selfish and envious and they had these like just selfish desires and we kind of talked about this in the last week's episode but they had these selfish desires and then they didn't ask god to like fulfill them and like find their joy from him and then when they did ask god to like provide for them for their needs they went kind of above and beyond and they were actually asking for like these certain wants that were selfish and um they were going to use these for their own their own purpose instead of using them for god's will the fourth verse says adulterers and adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so this is an interesting verse. Um, James asked a rhetorical question kind of to like emphasize the point that God is a jealous God. He, he is jealous for our spirit and he takes our, um, he takes our choice in whether we choose him or not very personally so like when we when we decide to not follow him to be disobedient he takes that personally like um he has the feelings and the, like emotions um and it it hurts him that we would choose worldly things and selfishness and these things are just Revolving around ourselves instead of choosing Him because He wants to provide for us and He wants to be our satisfaction and our joy. And so it it deeply hurts Him when we don't choose Him and when we refuse to um, have this relationship with Him and it's it's interesting because this verse says that um whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so this is emphasizing how you cannot be both a friend of God and a friend of world of the world. If you are trying to like satisfy these worldly desires and pleasures, um you cannot be a friend of God. Um you just cannot be. And so the fifth verse it says um or do you think that scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? I got a little bit ahead of myself um, in the previous verse, but like God takes um, our like relationship with him very personally, and when we don't choose him, it, it hurts him. And so, in these in these two verses, four and five, it's talking about how friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity meaning opposed. So, like we're we are opposed by God when we are friendship with the world. Adulterers um, is used that word because spiritually these Christians are like cheating on God with the world. If that makes sense. So maybe they're not necessarily adulterers in like um, being unfaithful to their spouse, but they're being unfaithful to God. Maybe it's a a play on word here. Um, and so those who like continue to be friends with the world are then called enemies of God because you can't be both. And so, um, and when we, when we choose the world and we choose to be a friend of it and not a friend of God, it really hurts the Lord. It really hurts his like feelings because we would rather have these things that are temporary than rather than something that is permanent and very consistent. Um the world is ever changing but the one consistent thing is the Lord and yet we don't choose him like we all kind of desire a sense of consistency um but yet we don't choose God we run from him so verse 6 says but he gives grace therefore he says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble and so James makes an important point here even if we are currently friends with the world the gift of grace is still bestowed to us and it is still offered to us it doesn't just run out This is something that we shouldn't take for granted or abuse because grace is um, able to overcome... Because grace is able to overcome unfaithfulness. So like we shouldn't like take this grace for granted because it's like a gift of God. And I think that we all, to a certain extent, take it for granted at times, but it's something that we shouldn't take for granted because it is very powerful that the grace of God allows us to receive and experience salvation and a a sanctification. So it's an important part of a Christian's life. Like without the grace of God, there would just be wrath. So God gives grace to those who humble themselves before Him. But I would like to read the note from in my Bible for this chapter. It said God's grace is able to overcome unfaithfulness. The um, exhortation to repent is backed by a stark reality expressed in um, Proverbs thirty, th- Proverbs three thirty four. Resists is a military term used to describe an army arrayed for battle. To remain in sinful pride is to invite God's battle array against you. In contrast to this, God gives grace to the humble. And then verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so we are to respond and take action. Like, while God gives grace to us, there is action on our behalf. When we experience grace, we... Are called to repent of our sins, and this verse tells us to submit to God, to give up what you want, and receive all the good that He wants to give to us. This verse also tells us to resist the devil, and resistant requires us to actively pull away. But the devil will flee from you. So, like when we resist the devil, and we resist the devil, he will flee from us. He cannot, he cannot be near us. So, like the. So, like resisting the devil is referring to temptation and how, um, like resistance against temptation. And so, like there has to be some type of like active um, action going on to like not fall into temptation. And when you stand strong in temptation, the devil will flee from you. Um, see how Jesus did it when he was he went into the wilderness and the devil tempted him. He stood fast, fast, and he resisted the devil, and the devil fled from him. Verse 8 tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to uh, you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so um, we are to draw closer to God. And there is a promise for this that he will draw closer to us. Um, the author James tells us to clean our hands and purify our hearts. He uses the, the word sinners and double-minded meaning those who are who are friends of the world and God. So those who are, he's talking about double-minded here when he uses that terminology. He's talking about those who are trying to be a friend of the world and a friend of God because you can't do that and so in a sense you're double-minded. But he he there's a promise here. Like when we draw closer to the Lord, when we resist the devil, draw closer to the Lord, the devil will flee from us and God will draw closer to us. And then there's some action that we're kind of told to do, and we're told to clean 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 our hands um and to purify our hearts. And when we accept Jesus into our lives, he actually like does this for us. Verse nine says, "Lament and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And so um, there's supposed to be an emotional response to sin. We're to mourn and weep in repentance. Like we should see our our wrongdoings and our past lives and feel sad for that period of time. And this really just shows our sincerity. Like this just shows, this shows like our realness and our, the like the motives behind our intentions. Like if we don't regret our past, like if we don't have some type of like, um, shame associated with that like shame is from the devil but to a certain extent there has to be some type of remorse and some type of conviction that we feel if we don't feel sorry for what we've done then there is an issue like we are to be feel sad and there should be like an emotional response to like our past lives like we should um be sad that we ever lived a life like that a a life outside of the will of god verse 10 says humble yourselves in the sight of the lord and he will lift you up Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We will be exalted through living in humility to the Lord and trusting him. Like in this life, we may be going through certain sufferings and certain situations. Like the audience of this letter, we're going through persecution and poverty. Maybe there's some struggles you're dealing with. But if you humble yourself and lower yourself to the Lord and just trust him and have confidence in him, you will be exalted through him. Humility is the key of having forgiveness from God. That's what the notes in my Bible said about that verse. Moving on to the next section, it says, Do not judge a brother. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if that you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. So James is telling us to not turn on one another. He's telling us to live in humility towards one another as well and to just be a doer of the law, not like a judge of the law. So like if we become judges of the of the of the law, then we to a certain extent, we're. Going against that royal law, which we talked about in the last episode, which is like this command to go out and love others, like to love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we become judges and start judging everyone and put ourselves in like this position of God, then that's when like we are going against that very command, like to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to not to go out and like be the judges. We're going to go out and to love one another regardless of their past lives. And this really takes humility. Um, Like we are to go out and just love everyone regardless of what they've done to us or what they've done to others or what they're known for. We're to just go out and to love them regardless of that. And this really, really requires a lot of humility to the Lord, but also humility to one another. And so James is basically telling us to, to just love one another and to live in humility to the Lord, but also to one another here. Verse 12 says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? There is only one lawmaker who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge? It's not our job to become judges of God's law. It is extremely hypocritical to think that we can judge others off of the very law we are guilty to. Last time I checked, I, I didn't die on a cross and come back alive. So who am I to judge? I wasn't the ultimate sacrifice. So who am I to judge? Um, Like we are all... Sinners, we all fall short before the glory of God, and I think that there's sense. There sometimes comes a sense of pridefulness as we become Christians. Like sometimes we think that we're better than others because we've experienced this grace and maybe we've been in the faith longer. And sometimes maybe elders in the church may think that they're better than younger people because they have more experience and they know more about the Lord. But like we're all the same at the end of the day. Just because you're you're older, you may be a little bit more wiser, it doesn't mean that you're any closer to the Lord. It doesn't mean that you are any better than anyone else, because we're all guilty to the to the law. Like we've all fallen short before the law. But Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins so that we could all experience like his grace and have forgiveness. And so that we wouldn't have to like experience the punishment for, for these sins and for these actions. So like, if you're not Jesus, then why are you judging? Because Jesus, he literally took up the cross for us and took that punishment upon himself so that we wouldn't have to experience that punishment. And he himself was not guilty of the law. So if anyone is in a position to judge. It's Jesus, not us. Do not boast about tomorrow. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. So, planning is good, but this example is like self reliant. I would do this or is that? And so it uses the word I will and this is prideful in a sense and does not show humility we are um to be dependent upon god and his abilities not our own like if we have this relationship with the lord and like we're living in him in obedience there should be like this confidence in him that he, his will will be done and we shouldn't rely on ourselves and say that i will do this but rather we should say that the if the lord prov- if the lord if it's the lord's will if the lord provides then we will do this but we shouldn't say, oh, I will do this because it's not our own doings. Verse 14 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And so this is um, a very interesting verse. James makes a good point in it too. We we don't know what tomorrow holds. He asks a question that puts us in our place for what is your life? Then he goes on to say it is a vapor that comes then vanishes this brings us into perspective because our life could be over in an instant we could literally die this very moment so like who are we to say tomorrow we would do this tomorrow i would do that um rather we should say if the lord's if it's the lord's will we will do this Um, because we don't know what the future holds um we all have a time that's coming when we're all going to pass away and we don't know when that time is so who are we to say that i will do this and we will do that. Um, It's not about what we will do, but rather what He will do. Um, It's not about us. And so this is like a sense of like self-centeredness again and not living in humility to the Lord because true humility to the Lord um, comes with this like type of confidence that in Him that He will provide and that what He does is His will and that it's good and gracious and that that is what needs to happen for our lives, if that makes sense. Verse 15 said, instead, you ought to you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And so we should acknowledge our dependency and need for God. He is the Lord of our lives. God's will be done. So like he is like in control and we should acknowledge and know that he's going to provide for us. And like, once again, there should be some type of form of like confidence in him that he is going to do his will. Verse 16 says, But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. It is arrogant to claim that we will do this or that, and it really just shows our self-reliance and our selfishness and our self-ambitions. It's showing that we're not living in humility to the Lord because true humility, once again, it has confidence in the Lord and that He will provide for us and that there is like nothing about ourselves but everything about Him. And then the final verse says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So like this kind of like a reference to doers of the word. It is one thing, one thing to study scripture, but it's another to act according to it. No good, do good. So like if we, if we're reading scripture and we learn about something, but then we fail to follow it, then like that is sin because we knew it was wrong and yet we still did it. So I'm going to read through the, uh, the notes of my Bible really quickly and see if it has anything good to say. So In this section, the issue is boastful speech that indicates arrogance. In a hypothetical but realistic scenario, James accused merchants who had big decisions on making a profit, a profit of leaving God out of their plans, it is unclear whether the merchants were Christians, but verse 15 suggests that some were. Neglecting to entrust our hopes and plans to God and his counsel is paramount to arrogance and unbelief. If he really is the Lord of our lives, we see all things as coming from his hands and we speak of plans and outcomings accordingly. It is God's will that conditions the course of life. And so this is so accurate and This goes into a little bit more detail about what I was saying, and it words it really better than what I was trying to say. But it says, um, if he really is the Lord of our lives, we see all things as coming from his hands. And this is talking about the sense of confidence in him that he will provide for us. And then the note for verse 17 says, after giving practical advice and how to show faith through obedience, James warns against sin of omission. So like to know all of these things that we're learning, but then not to follow it, that's not being a doer of the word, like being a hearer of the word is one thing, but to do and act according to it is a completely different thing. So this episode, we learned quite a different things. We talked about four different sections, but they kind of tied in together. And I'm really glad that we were able to go through it. And I'm going to go ahead and just pray before I end the podcast. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for teaching us, leading us, and just Um, showing us about who you are and like your teachings to us throughout this episode. I thank you for just showing that to us. And I just pray that um, the listeners will continue to come and that they will continue to learn about you and that you will just continue to just teach us, Lord. I just thank you once again for this place on the internet to come and talk about you freely. It is so amazing that you have provided a place for us to do this. I just pray that you will continue to just be our motivation and our encouragement and that we will continue to just see you in everything and just have that confidence in you that you will provide for us and just trust in you and just live in humility to you. I just pray that we will be better examples of Christ and that we will be able to go out and love our neighbors as ourselves better. And I just pray that we will um, be more obedient to to you and to this to this command. I thank you for everything. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. So we learned a lot in this episode, and I really think that my favorite part is just the confidence in God, like true humility to Him. It has this confidence in the Lord. Like we get do away with ourselves and our selfish ambitions and our selfishness, and we humble ourselves live in humility to the lord lower ourselves down and we realize how good that he is and that he will provide for us and we just become confident in him we get rid of our self-confidence and like um we get rid of the sense that i will do this i will do that that um i will provide for myself and realize that god will provide for us that he is the provider and that everything comes from him this this type of godly confidence is just so amazing to me that we can just like live a lifestyle where we don't have to worry about anything because we're just confident in the Lord. Um, I thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I really pray that you you learned something new. And if you didn't, I just pray that you were refreshed and that um, this was encouraging to you. Um, thank you for sticking throughout the entire episode and. As always, be blessed and seek life today.